As Mandy said, my name is Yvette, and I'm one of the student ministry coordinators here at the South Suburban Vineyard Church. Want to give a warm welcome to everyone who's here in the building and also those of you who are watching online. So it's day 15 of our 30-day fast. One woohoo and a lot of delayed yes, right? So I know for myself, at the end of week one, I was much more excited <laughs> than I am now at the end of week two, because it's just getting harder and harder and harder and harder. But that's okay. We're going to stay encouraged. Um, I know that one thing that happens at the end of all of these fasts or in the middle of all these fasts is that God really starts to reveal stuff in my heart and in my life that I needed to deal with and maybe I've been neglecting. So it's, it's doing what it's meant to do, okay? So hopefully that's happening for you as well. And one of, the things that, um, one, one of the things that I run to when I'm happy, when I'm sad, when I need comfort, that sort of thing, is sometimes it's the sweets, sometimes it's the eating out, you know, the things that are convenient and they kind of can bring that comfort. So I'm gonna be honest with you guys this morning and tell you I am focused, but I am struggling and the one thing that I can say I'm missing a lot is my Culver's custard. It's my Culver's custard. We're not going to leave that picture up for very long. <laughs> for those of you who might be having a hard time with it. Um, but it's true. That's one of the things that I'm like, ooh, something good happened. Let's get custard. <laughs> oh, I'm feeling kind of down. Let me go get some custard, right? Um, so it's, it's a really good thing that this fast is here because it's helping me to jumpstart some healthier habits in my life. And it really goes along very well with the spiritual discipline series that we're in right now, right? Because we're trying to lean into these disciplines and lean away from the things that are taking us away from God. So we're currently in week three of our series. And the spiritual discipline series is something that we are looking to regularly put these things into our life, to practice them, to make them habits, to make them things that we run to as opposed to the things that are not good for us. And so it's instruction from the Word of God that we're responding to. We're responding based on God has given us certain things that we need to lean into. So Pastor Gino kicked off this series two weeks ago, talking about the spiritual discipline of generosity and how we can steward well the resources that God has given us. And then last week, Pastor Shannon continued this series, and she led us so beautifully in the whole process of the spiritual discipline of prayer, right? Some practical application ways that we can apply this to our lives. And this morning, I'm going to talk to you about the spiritual discipline of confession, Spiritual discipline of confession. I know they left me the heavy one, right? <laughs> but that's okay. We're going to get through it. Spiritual discipline of confession. You may not have ever thought of it as a spiritual discipline, but we're going to discuss that today. So we'll talk about the why of confession, the how of confession, and also some practical application points for confession. Our scripture passage for today comes from James 5.16. It's actually one very small verse in the New Testament, but it's very impactful. So I invite you to feel free to find that verse now. I'm going to give us a little bit of background on the book of James, but you can find it and then we'll read it. So the author of the book of James is actually the brother of Jesus. And we find that the writings in the book of James come very close to the teachings 
of Jesus, the things that Jesus orally taught, are very similar to what we find in the book of James. And there's particular parallel with the Sermon on the Mount, okay, the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached orally. Scholars find that there's a lot of parallel that connects to the writings of the book of James. Early Christians would memorize Jesus' teaching, so they would orally hear it and they would take it in and try to apply it to their lives. So it's likely that when they read the book of James, they connected that to the teachings of Jesus. They were like, ah, oh, yeah, Jesus said that, I remember. Even though he was never actually quoted in the book of James, there's that similarity. So what James does for us is he offers us a practical guideline for life, but with the perspective that discipleship is not an option, but is actually the essence of what it means to be a follower of Christ. Okay, so with all of that background, this is where we come to our verse today. We land on James 5.16. Okay, and it simply reads this. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. I'll read it again. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So the Bible, uh, the website Bible.org lets us know that confess means to say the same thing and then agree, admit, and acknowledge, okay? So that's what it means. That's our basic definition. And in my home-based context, in Mayoville, in my house, we use the word, or we use the phrase, speak as much truth as possible. I'm sure my kids are like, ah, oh, she brought that up, right? Speak as much truth as possible. Another phrase we use is start with agreement. Start with agreement. Because there's a lot of arguing that goes on in my house sometimes. So I'm encouraging everyone in the house to say something first that you agree with as opposed to jumping into an argument. In other words, speak the truth. What is true about what you just heard? What can you agree with? So the context that we're using the word confess today it's obviously that we're, we're starting with the Bible, okay? When we talk about confessing, we're speaking about our sins. The word confess is gonna be different in different contexts. You may be confessing to the fact that the earth is round, right? You're agreeing with that fact. But today, we're looking at how we can agree with God about what sin is and about its destructive powers in our life, okay? So we're coming into it with that understanding. So why do we need to practice confession? What's the big deal? Why should we care? Why does it matter? This is a practice of a spiritual discipline that is supposed to bring us closer to God. So in confessing your sin, you're coming alongside the work that Christ did on the cross. We sang about some awesome things this morning in worship, okay, about the power of the cross. So we're not taking away anything from the power of the cross. Jesus did what he needed to do for us, and my confession is not going to change what he did for me. However, it does administer that forgiveness into my life, and it also, as our verse let us know, allows some healing to come in to those areas that might be hidden, okay? So it's that interruption of the closeness that we have with God that we want to deal with when we start to think about confessing those sins. Because when we're sinful, we cannot be close to God. He can't tolerate that. It's that unconfessed, unconfessed sin in our life that breaks relationship with God, breaks relationship with you and me, one another. And it also does something inside of me 
If you think about it, you've heard the phrase, me, myself, and I. Yes? Yes. Me, myself, and I refers to me. And when nobody's around, I still have to live with me. So I've got my guilt, I've got my shame, I've got all this stuff that's lingering in my heart that I have not spoken out loud. It's significant to my well-being, to my way of life. So it matters not just to other people, but also for you. It matters when you confess your sin. Because unconfessed sin is harmful in so many ways. So we want to make sure that we keep in mind it matters to God, it matters to others, and it matters to you. Now I want you to take a moment and kind of listen to yourself right now, like listen to whatever voice is in your head. You might hear yourself thinking, you know what, my sin is not that big of a deal. Like, I don't do a lot of sin. I'm not a big sinner. I'm not like a big name sinner. <laughs> um, maybe you're thinking, I sin every now and then. It's small things. Like, obviously, I'm human, so I make mistakes. And so it's probably not that big of a deal. Well, I have a couple small illustrations. <laughs> Bear with me as I talk this through with you. So um, yesterday, we went to the fish store. And we got a fish. Um, it was a beta fish, and we've temporarily named him Eduardo Mayo. So Eduardo Mayo is at home swimming around in his tank. Um, and so I watched the owner of the fish store fill up Eduardo's bag so that we could take him home. And I've drawn a little tiny fishy. Can you see my little fishy? Okay. So this is like a representation of Eduardo and his bag. So I watched the guy, I'm not gonna pour the water. Um, I watched the guy take the water, put water into the bag, and then seal it up nice and tight. And then I was the one who carried the fish home, like I held it as we drove home, and I kept thinking, I really hope this bag doesn't open up. I hope there's no holes in the bag. I hope everything is nice and sealed and solid. Um, but can you imagine what would happen if there was even the tiniest hole in that bag? If there was a tiny hole in that bag, it's not a big deal, right? It's a small, small hole. But you know what would happen? A slow trickle of water would come out. So does it matter if it was a large hole? Eh, it may come out slower if it's a small hole, but it's still going to come out, right? That security is significant when it comes to this situation. Now, maybe you're not feeling the fish illustration. That's fine. Let's talk about masks, okay? So we all have masks for the most part. We've been dealing with masks all the time. Um, what would happen if you had a tiny hole in your mask versus a big hole? What would you prefer? Would you prefer that the people around you had a large hole in their mask or a little one? I'm hearing no holes. People are looking at me like, are you crazy? <laughs> we don't want a hole in their mask, right? It doesn't matter, right? Because if there's a hole in your mask, even the tiny one here, guess what? You're getting all my breath coming out of that and all my breath coming out of the big one, okay? So does the size of your sin matter? No, it doesn't. Because in light of who God is, God is holy and he cannot stand unconfessed sin in his presence. So it doesn't matter, be it small, be it big, in our eyes, 
Sin is sin. Okay? So we're thinking about Romans, how Romans tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it says, where then is boasting since all are justified freely by the grace and the redemption that came by Jesus Christ? So there's nothing you can do. You can't brag that I'm a pretty decent person. I just sin a little bit. It doesn't matter. There is no boasting because Christ took care of even the smallest sins and we couldn't get close to God with sin in our life, period, okay? So that reality is that Jesus did everything on the cross and he's the only thing that saved us. It's not, you're not saved because you're kind of a low-key sinner. You're pretty decent at this whole living thing. You're not saved because of that. It's only because of what Jesus did on the cross. So confession is necessary for every follower of Jesus. It is for wholeness. It is for healing. It is for mending those relationships that are torn up because of the unspoken darkness in your life, be it big or small. And when we can understand the importance of confession for wholeness and healing in our life, then we can start thinking about how we are instructed to confess. So we can actually get into the process of treating it like a spiritual discipline. So I wanna to talk to you about the how of confession, how to actually engage in confession. And in our verse this morning, there were five different pieces of that passage that I'd like to pull out, okay? It said, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So the instruction is quite simply to confess. Now your contextual framing, depending on what context you're from, you might be thinking about something that we're not talking about this morning. So let me make it clear, there's various practices of confession that you may be familiar with. I'm not here to debate with you or to value or devalue the importance of any of those or talk about the worth of any of that, okay? For the purpose of today, we've already defined that confess means to say the same thing, agree, admit, and acknowledge, okay? So that's what we're talking about here. Our, our instruction is to confess nothing more, nothing less. And confession in our context, simply put, is the practice of owning up to your unspoken sin. Your confession is about your sins. So you wanna keep short accounts regarding your sin, just like you would try to keep a checkbook balanced. <laughs> the kids are probably like, checkbook? <laughs> like, what is this thing? But bear with me. When you wanna keep your money in order, you wanna keep track of everything that you've taken out of it and everything that's come back in, right? You don't wanna leave a long time before you pay attention to that record. Because when you do, sometimes things kind of blow up in your face and you're unaware. The same is true of relationships. We tend to make withdrawals and we put deposits in with one another as well. Those relational accounts can deplete really quickly and they can leave kind of this stinky aroma around you and the person if you haven't really dealt with the issue. You may uh, think about like a sports team. When they come back from playing hard and sweating big, and the minute you meet your player coming off the bus, the bus door is open and you smell the stink, right? It's all been trapped up in the bus. It's like that's the literal 
smelly thing that you can almost taste in a relationship when there's sin and there's disagreement and all these issues that might be driving those relationships. So you need to handle these things with speed and intention. You see, with sin, it comes in different forms. Sometimes it's that we omit something and leave something out that should have been included. So a confession about an omitted sin might be, well, I didn't really love that person very well. Or I just made a decision, I'm not even going to serve them at all. Right? So that, we call that a sin of omission. That's something that was neglected, something that was left undone. But then sometimes it's that you act in a certain way, something that shouldn't have been done. Um, So in this case, it might be, I lied about my homework. Um, I took that thing that was off limits to me. I actually did something I wasn't supposed to do. We call that a sin of commission, okay? That's an action that was initiated and carried out and catalyzed by you. But then sometimes you're the only one who knows what sin you've done. Like, nobody else would know because it's not been aired. It hasn't been something that actually impacted someone that you know of. And so that could be um, considered the inner workings of your heart. In other words, sin that's related to the orientation or the disposition of your heart, the way your heart is arranged, right? So what's inside, the way that you are viewing things, the feelings that you have that you needed to get in check, right? That kind of thing. I struggle with that one. See, I'm being real honest with you because I want you to follow my lead in this whole confession thing. I struggle with that one, just keeping, making sure that my heart is not saying things inside that you might not guess, right? I'm trying to keep it lined up with what the Lord has showed me how to live and how to feel and experience things about life. And see, that last one is really tricky because there's very little accountable for the sins of the heart. There's not a lot of accountability there. And it requires even more awareness and a willingness for you to take initiative to confess those, to say them out loud, because nobody else knows. And it's really easy for me to be like, I'll just tell God about that, okay? Now, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was a civil rights leader and activist. He was assassinated for his stand against segregation and racism. And tomorrow is the day that we've set aside as a recognition day for his life and his legacy. Um, And I've got a few quotes that I'm just going to throw in throughout the sermon today. But one of his famous quotes is, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. You see, confessing your sin requires truth and integrity, where you speak into the light what was true in the dark. It requires an awareness and a willingness to take initiative. Your sin needs to be weighty to you. It needs to matter. It needs to not feel like something you can just brush off. And in order to truly confess your sin, you've got to bring your sin from the darkness into the light. In order to do that, you need to tell somebody. So your confession of sin happens to each other, okay? Our verse instructs us that we confess our sins to each other. And this step goes beyond just being aware of your sin, but it takes us to the challenging truth that we have to bring into the light so other people can hear us. 
You're going to have to be open. You're going to have to be transparent. You're going to have to be vulnerable. Are you cringing at these words? Right? Like, these are not easy words to do. But guess what? You cannot divorce yourself from your fellow believers in Christ. The Bible tells us to stop lying to each other, tell the truth, for we are part of each other, and when we lie to each other, we are hurting ourselves because we're connected like that. But see, when you do this, you're going to have to think about, how do I stay in my lane? There's instruction given to the person who's confessing and also to the one who's praying. See, you can't confess for someone else. Most likely, you'll choose a friend. When you decide to engage in this spiritual discipline of confession, you'll choose somebody you know well, and they're going to want to help you feel better. They're going to want to solve it for you. They're going to want to say, it's all good. But guess what? Your lane is to pray for the person. You're not here to play God. You can't offer them forgiveness. Now, I know that there are times when you may be confessing something that has hurt someone else, the person who's sitting across from you. That's different. Certainly, there's a a context and a moment where you're going to need to actually talk through forgiveness and that sort of thing. But we're talking about this as a spiritual discipline, as that constant discipline that we will continue to engage in. So it might not be something that specifically hurts someone else that you are asking forgiveness for. It could just be this general thing that has been weighing me down in my heart. I know it's not right, and I want to let you know so that you can pray for me, okay? So that means my lane as the person confessing is to simply say my sin. Your lane as the person listening is to pray for me. And you know what? That's like a a nice rhythm. It's not a one-sided thing. There's a mutuality to it. I'm going to own my stuff, but there are going to be times that you're going to be in the seat of praying for someone else who's also confessing to you, okay? So it's really important that we think through how to play this out. But we want to make sure that we're not pretending when we're in these relationships with with each other. We want to get specific, and we want to tell the truth, Ephesians tells us that what this adds up to then is no more lies, no more pretense. Tell your neighbor the truth. In Christ's body, we're all connected. And when you lie to other people, you end up lying to yourself. Okay, so we want to make this a regular habit where we're speaking truth into the light. When we're practicing this discipline as a regular way of life, you're going to have those moments where you want to... Um, you want to make the situation go away. But I'm encouraging you to stay in it so that God can do the work, okay? There's nothing you can do to make it right for someone else. God will do that work. And you want to make sure that you're not launching into like a gossip session, which is really easy to do when you start talking about things like this. I don't need to hear, you don't need to hear the whole backstory, and who said what first, and why does she say that? See, that's why you did that sin. That's not important, right? Not the point. We want to get right to the point, which is stay in your lane. Decide if you're, are you confessing? Is there something you need to say? Make it simple and clear. Are you praying? That's what we want to do, okay? So I say let's just own our sin and then pray. That's it. All right, so... 
We have to learn to also get comfortable with the Holy Spirit doing the work through us. I think sometimes it's hard for us when we get into this place, we think, I need to do something more than just pray. Like we kind of have that desire to do something. But the Holy Spirit will really do the work. The Holy Spirit is the one who will usher in the forgiveness, the healing, and all of those things. Um, Similar to what my brother Judge always says when he comes up front to, to pray, he says, Holy Spirit, throw your weight around, right? Throw your weight around in this situation because there's nothing we can do to make it right. There's nothing we can do to fix it. It has to be the Holy Spirit that we're relying on. And when you confess to one another and you pray for each other, there's an expectation that comes along with that because we're looking for God to heal. We're confessing our sins to each other and praying for each other so that you may be healed. So there's an expectancy that comes along with this, okay? It's not just to air it out, but with the hope of healing that comes from it, okay? And there's a difference between having a specific expectation versus an atmosphere of expectancy that God will move. See, an expectation could be, God is going to heal my left pinky toe. I know it. It's coming, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. God certainly heals our physical bodies, but healing comes in a lot of different forms. And we have to Let God do what he wants to do. He may be looking to heal something completely different than what you thought was going to be healed through this moment of confession. So you have to really open yourself up to what does the Lord want to do at this time. Dr. Martin Luther King also said, we must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. So in the moment, you may be disappointed that the healing didn't look like what you wanted to, But you have to keep that hope for the long term because we know healing comes in many forms. God is going to do what he wants to do, and he's not finished with you yet. Philippians tells us, I am certain that God who began the good work in you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So he's faithful. He's going to complete you. There's no question about that. And the kingdom of God is coming, just like we saw last week in that beautiful illustration of the two hula hoops where we've got earth here and the kingdom of God moving in. We're constantly pushing the kingdom of God. We are insisting that the kingdom of God comes as we align with what the Father wants to do. So when you engage in this spiritual discipline of confession, this is just one more way that you from your corner of the world can push that kingdom, okay? This is your place, what you can do. So in the meantime, as you're waiting for that healing, as you're looking with expectancy, you just wanna make sure that you are doing the work, the spiritual discipline of confession. And what I think I'm saying, and I hope you're hearing, it's clear God is all about our redemption. That should make you really excited. He's all about your redemption. He's not sitting back waiting for you to tell him something so that he can punish you and knock you out. He just wants to heal. He wants to restore. So that in and of itself should give us motivation to get going on this practice of confession. So as you seek to apply this, 
I want to talk about some practical things for you to keep in mind. One thing is to establish a rhythm for this whole spiritual discipline of confession. Okay? It's an act of faith and surrender, and it is not a ritual that you want to engage in. It's not something that you want to say, I'm going to put this on my to-do list, I'm going to check off my confession. We want to do this from a heart perspective. Like I said earlier, your sin should be weighty to you. It should matter to you. And so anytime you feel that conviction of the Holy Spirit, that something is there that needs to be said out loud, engage in this rhythm of confession. So one thing you'll need to do is establish some, some boundaries, um, choosing people who are good people that, can, that are following Jesus, that can pray for you, and that you can, can give these confessions to. It's like a, a reciprocal partnership, right? Not a one-way street. It's like confess, pray, reverse. Oh, you need to confess? Okay, I'll pray for you. Now let's rinse that whole process and repeat it again, right? It's a rhythm. We continuously do this thing, and we want to carry it out often to keep short accounts on our sins. So another thing you want to do is develop a responsive posture when it comes to your confession. You want to confess with a humble and repentant, obedient heart. Second Chronicles says, if my people who are called by, by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. So re repentance is jump-started by this action of confession. Us changing our ways and turning away from the things that were sins, that's like the jump start is that confession. And it should result, when you confess, it should result in both repentance and also obedience. Whatever it was that you turned away from to do your own thing, you now are turning back to. As you repent, you're like, I'm done with that. I'm not leaning into that anymore. I'm moving into this place of obedience where I'm listening and giving my heart to the Lord. Psalm 119 says, give me understanding so I may keep your law and obey it with my heart. So to repent is to walk in obedience. It's to follow the law that you once turned from. Another thing you wanna keep in mind practically is to tap into the one another community that we have available in the Christian body. Ecclesiastes reminds us that two are better than one. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So you've got to choose your community and go in thick with them. That's a phrase that I hear a lot in my graduate program. They say, you're only here for a minute, so you better go in thick with each other, right? Get deep, make it count, make it matter. And if you think about it, we're only here on this earth for a minute. So we need to go in thick with one another, make it count, make it matter. And this is where small groups, mini groups, a small group of three or four people who kind of connect with one another, and good old-fashioned friendships, they really help us to make this happen, right? You can lean in, you can connect in these ways. As Mandy mentioned, our small groups just started last week. So today is the uh, second week, and we still have four solid weeks to go. So you're not too late 
jump in. If you haven't yet found a community here that you feel connected with, those of you online, wherever you are, if you haven't found that, you can still jump in and start developing those relationships so that you can develop people who you can confess to, okay? So this whole process is something that we've got plenty of resources around us. We just have to make the decision to do it. You see, when you're in community with one another, with people who are following Jesus, and you've got those good confession partners, and you're ready to also be the person who is praying, and you guys have this rhythm, and you have this way of doing it, that is when that healing can start to be ushered in to your lives. Okay? So it's a practice that we want to engage in on a consistent, regular basis. So I'm going to ask the worship team to go ahead and come back up. And when you think about all the things I've said to you this morning, I'm basically telling you to spend focused time and energy connecting with the community of believers in Christ, go deeper in relationships with them, pursue healing, pursue wholeness. I mean, you thought I was going to say something bad, right? Like, that's pretty good. Everything I'm telling you is like a beautiful picture of the body of Christ. So I want you to think about it that way. I don't want you to have this perspective of heavy, like we need to consider our sin as heavy, but we don't need to think about this practice as heavy. It's a spiritual discipline. It's something we do to continuously keep ourselves in good standing with the Lord, keeping our hearts right, okay? So... Um, the problem is, I just don't want you to also take this lightly because it is a really big deal. Because the thing is, confession can rock the boat of your life. Depending on what's going on, depending on what the things are that you need to say, sometimes it's going to require more of you than you may even feel like you have. And that's where we see the Lord's strength can be made, made big and strong in us. Dr. Martin Luther King also said... Faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. So you may not have a picture of what this is going to look like in the end. You might have to take a step of faith, say some things out loud to someone, ask for that prayer, and then wait. Kind of feels like there's blinders on, but the truth and the promise of the word carries us through we know God is faithful, he's not done with you, and he wants to usher in healing in your life. Amen? All right. So I want you all to think, seek, to think about how you're going to seek truth, how you're going to come into agreement with it and own the things that you need to own. I don't want you to move in fear. I don't want you to be timid. But I want you to move with humble faith that God wants to do something in your life. And as we prepare our hearts for worship, I want to model um, just a way to do this rhythm of confession. Some of you may not need this, but I've put together kind of a confession prayer that we can use as a template, something that we can actually use as we're engaging with people and confessing sin. So I'm going to read through this, and when I'm finished, the worship team is going to lead us in the final song. But while I'm reading and while we're doing that final song, I just encourage you to stop and just take a moment to listen to the conviction that might be surfacing in your heart. Okay, if there's something that's going on in there, the Holy Spirit is doing something, 
I want you to not delay in doing the work of finding someone to confess your sins to. Like, do it today. We also have a ministry time that happens right after the service, and you can ask someone to pray for you then. You can speak with them about these matters. If you're online, we also have an online team of people who are praying who can respond with you as well. But as I read this, you can close your eyes if you'd like to, or you can go ahead and just follow. The words are going to be up on the screen. Confession prayer. God is holy. Nothing I can ever do can match his holiness. No sin is acceptable in the presence of God. I acknowledge him and the truth of who he is. And because of who God is, I am compelled to confess my sins to you, even what may seem small to me. I'm compelled to have the Holy Spirit search my heart for the sin that is not known to me, for God cannot stand sin in his presence. Because of this, I'm compelled to confess out loud the sin that has been hidden in my heart, the acts that I've done that offend my Father in heaven, the acts that I didn't do that were required of me to do. To my sisters, to my brothers, here today and online, I confess my specific sin. I have allowed these specific sin postures to take center stage in my life where Jesus was supposed to be. And I'm truly sorry for my sins. My renewed commitment is to turn away from my sins and I commit to turning instead to God's forgiveness, grace, mercy, and peace that surpasses my understanding. I am giving Jesus back the center stage in my life as I decenter myself and my sin cravings. And with the Lord's help, I will walk in obedience to God's commands. And I commit to hope. Hope for healing in my life. I commit to praying and believing that God will finish the good work that he started in me. This is my confession prayer.